Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 37th episode on July 6, 2021. Let's talk about the beautiful, bright, and colorful Croton. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. This is a very special day to release this episode. This would have been my dad's 63rd birthday. And if you follow me on social media, you probably already know this, but my dad passed away of stage four lung cancer about eight years ago. And he was such a light in every room he walked into. He was our family's rock. And anyone you talk to says he was just such a nice guy, such a caring guy. So I thought it would be so appropriate to have this bright, colorful houseplant be released on his birthday in honor of him. So happy birthday, dad. Um, All right, let's jump right into it. Croton, I have gotten a lot of questions on this plant because it is known to be a difficult houseplant. Does difficult mean you can't do it? No, of course you can with the right care. You can do anything. So I'm here to guide you and hopefully you will succeed with this Croton as well. So Obviously, common name Croton. It's also called Joseph's Coat. The botanical name is Codiatum variegatum. There are lots of different varieties and the leaves come in several colors and several shapes and sizes. I'm going to name off just a few different varieties just randomly. So if you want to look up these individual varieties, see if you like any and you can search them, go for it. But Petra, Mammy, Those two are definitely the more common ones you'll find in plant shops. There's also Magnificent, Oak Leaf, Banana, Gold Dust, Gold Star, Picasso's Paintbrush, Zanzibar, Dreadlocks. The Banana Gold Dust are also two you will really commonly find. Zanzibar I also had available for me to order when I was working at the garden center pretty often as well. So the Banana one is really common in like the two or three four inch houseplant sizes you'll find the petra and the mammy in a lot of the six to ten inch size you won't find a lot of the banana or like picasso's paintbrush because they're a thinner leaf in the bigger sizes but you'll definitely find them in the smaller sizes as i said they do have tons of different colors and varieties typically you're gonna have multiple colors in whatever variety you choose Most of them are going to have shades of red, orange, yellow, with the leaf actually being green, but some of them are just green leaves with yellow crazy variegations, speckles, stripes all over them, just depending on which one you choose. Some of them have a bit darker of a leaf instead of more of a brighter green. It's going to be a more muted green. It just really depends on the variety you end up choosing. So I'm just going to hop right into sun requirements and then I will go into watering. So sun requirements are 
pretty straightforward, but demanding. So you have to put it in at least bright indirect sunlight. Realistically, if you can put these in a south window, just smack dab in front of a south window, that is where you need to put them because they prefer to be in bright direct sunlight. They thrive in bright direct sunlight. So for example, if you live in Wisconsin and you have a patio that faces west or south, you can put it outside in a planter all summer long and it will do amazing. If you have it inside, it needs to be in a south window or at least a west window with no obstructions. If you don't put it in enough sunlight, you're going to lose the color and you might even use your, lose your leaves. So sunlight is really important and that is one reason why these are typically a little bit harder because not a lot of people have the appropriate window space or direction of sunlight for it. If you really, really, really want this plant and you don't have a west or a south window to put it in, I would suggest getting a grow light if you want it to do well. I know that sucks, but that's what I would suggest. Okay, that sounded a little harsh. (laughs) It's not. It is what it is. I just want you guys to really thrive with this plant, and if you don't have the proper sunlight for it, then it's not going to live to its best. So, okay, I think I'm done now. My croton is actually sitting, I have a smaller one because I just wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing before I purchased a larger one. So I bought a small four inch croton and I put it in a south window and it does have a building that slightly obstructs it, but it's full sun from like through the majority of the afternoon until about two, two o'clock, three o'clock, depending on the time of year, because based on where the sun is sitting, it gets more sunlight in the summertime, which is good. It's also sitting in one of the Ikea greenhouses, which I'll explain a little later. So it's doing really well and it's gaining new leaves as well. Okay, let's jump into water requirements and humidity. All right, so Whenever your croton dries out, you can water it, or almost dries out, I should say. The leaves will start to droop a bit if they're too dry, but once you kind of understand your watering pattern, I would try not to let your leaves droop. If you leave them too dry for too long, you're going to end up losing leaves quickly. I experienced that myself. I had a croton probably, oh my god, what, how many years? It's probably about five years ago. When I didn't know as much about houseplants, I had it away from a window and I'm pretty sure I let the thing dry out way too long and I lost all of the leaves and just gave up and threw it out. And it was a 10 inch plant too. That's why I didn't try it until more recently. (laughs) So the water is really important. A lot of the resources that I looked at, almost all of the books that I have, and I think I had like five this time that talked about this plant, they all said to keep it consistently moist and don't let it completely dry out. So if all of them are saying that, then make sure you're not letting them completely dry out. And it seems like a little bit more moisture is okay for these because they tend to use water a little bit faster. Most of the resources also said in winter, cut back on watering and you can allow the soil to dry out since they're not as active. Um, But that's a a lot of houseplants are like that, but I just wanted to note that too. If you are really unsure of when you should be watering your house plants. There are a few ways you can tell. So in the garden center, we used to pick up house plants and we could kind of tell based on the weight if it needed to be watered or not. That takes time. Literally, all you have to do though is understand, okay, this is the weight of my plant in the kind of planter I have when it's dry. 
water it, and then pick it up again. And you'll really see a weight difference. And then you'll start to understand, okay, I get it now. This is when it needs to be watered. Granted, you can do that with smaller pots. But obviously, if you have like a giant Monstera or Bird of Paradise, you can't do that. So (laughs) that's one option. Another option is obviously you can just stick your finger in it and see how far down it goes. But that's dirty. So if you don't want to do that, You could do, you could reuse like chopsticks. I've seen people use like little dowels or chopsticks and stick it in the soil. If it comes out with moisture, then you're still good. Or what I have found is to be the easiest thing is the moisture meter reader that you can get. You can literally get them on Amazon for, some of them are under $10. I think I paid $12 for mine. And if I'm really unsure and I don't want to overwater it, I'll use it quick. It takes two seconds. I keep it with all my houseplants and it's, I have a direct link on my blog if you want to get to the Amazon page. I just searched moisture meter reader and whatever came up, I just posted it on the blog post. So you have different options to look at, but that's a really good alternative as well. Now for humidity, this is another reason why it is a more difficult plant. So yes, having to water it a little more often and keep it a little bit more moist and not allowing it to completely dry out makes it a little more difficult. But also with croton, it's almost 100% necessary to provide extra humidity for these in order for them to thrive. So that adds the third level of difficulty with these. Out of all the plants I've ever covered in all of these 37 episodes, this is the one to pay attention to the humidity. So I've given examples of what you could do and there's several different things. I currently have mine in an Ikea greenhouse because I refuse to give up on it and I refuse to not let it thrive. So that's why it's in there. Eventually it will probably grow out of it and I will have to put it by my humidifier, which is fine. But that's one thing you could do. The IKEA greenhouses, the mini ones, if you're getting a small croton, is I think they're like $19.99 or something, at least on my end. And I do know they have like those IKEA cabinets that people have been using for greenhouses, which are great too. But the $19.99 ones were super cost effective for me. So that's why I did that. Otherwise, you could use a humidifier. Humidifiers are not cheap, especially like a really high quality one. I did not get a really expensive one. I think I got mine from like Walgreens in like the cold section, honestly. So um, you can find them for a decent price. Amazon sells them for a decent price too. So I linked the Amazon humidifier page as well on my blog post if you want to look it up just to get one of those because that can definitely help. You can mist your plant. So I know there's a ton of speculation on whether or not misting is a thing you should be doing or not, whatever. I do it because I have a huge problem with spider mites, which by the way, croton are prone to getting, and misting the leaves and allowing that moisture to be on some of my leaves prevents spider mites. So for example, I had a calathea medallion that had spider mites up the yin yang, And I consistently misted it, if not every day, every other day, front and back of the leaves. And I have not had a spider mite present. It is also by my humidifier, but I wasn't missing the leaves previously and it had spider mites. I'm missing the leaves now, no spider mites. So say what you want, but sometimes the misting works. I also had the problem with my Monstera, even though I was misting it. I was actually, I was not misting at the time, but now I am and I don't have the problem. So I think misting in general just helps 
if your air is naturally dry and it's kind of prevention for pests. Um, and I do miss the inside of my greenhouses just to add extra humidity in there. They are all in a south-facing window, so they get relatively warm, but I wanted to increase humidity, so I just missed the inside of there a bit. So, misting is another way you can do that. The next one, I've seen this on every website and a bunch of books talk about this. I've never personally done it, but it's highly recommended over-misting for some places, so up to your personal preference. I like misting because when it's satisfying and two, I can see it. But placing a tray of water with pebbles under your plant is another option to increase humidity. You can literally use a larger saucer than what your plant is sitting under if you have a draining pot, obviously, if you had a saucer. If you don't, either way, it doesn't matter. Anyway, the pebbles inside of a larger saucer sitting under your plant with water in that can increase humidity as well. Just another curveball. You can take your plant in the shower with you. So just make sure the water isn't damaging your leaves too much. And it's a little more delicate before you actually do that. But leaving them in the shower with you or in the bathroom in general, obviously it's going to be a lot more humid in there. And then you're going to be able to water them thoroughly and you'll be preventing pests because you'll be wiping off the leaves and everything while you're in there. So those are all different options for raising humidity and I have that all listed on the blog post if you need to see it again. So let's review for a second. Watering, don't let it completely dry out. And humidity, you need it. Out of all the plants I've talked about it, this one you need it. Let's jump into fertilizer and propagation. All right, so fertilizer is basically the same for a lot of the other house plants that I've talked about and it's really a repeat of what I talk about almost every time but here we go again. So there are tons of different ways to fertilize your plants. There is never a right way to do it. So it's completely up to you and I know that doesn't help you so I'm going to go into more detail. So currently I am using Espoma indoor liquid plant food and I fertilize about every two weeks whenever I water my plants starting around the end of February through October. And then I honestly only fertilize, I think once, like in December, during the middle of those off-season times from November through January. And I use about half to three-fourths of the recommended amount of fertilizer inside my watering cans, just because I would rather under-fertilize than over-fertilize. So again, it's completely up to you what you do. I am thinking about trying a Fox Farm product instead of an Espoma product, but I do really like Espoma. But I know I'm a big fan of Fox Farm as well. I actually reached out to them to see if they could recommend something. A lot of their fertilizers online talk about fertilizing outdoor plants. So I was just going to double check with them that their stuff can be used for houseplants too. I don't doubt that it can. I just want to make sure I'm telling you guys the right product for whenever I'm able to use it next time. Anyway, so I wanted to share with you a couple other sources what they say about fertilizing and it's literally no surprise. It's like the same thing I'm doing. So the complete houseplant survival manual says in spring and summer feed every two weeks of the balanced houseplant food in fall and winter feed monthly. So they're recommending to feed it a little bit more, which probably makes sense simply because these guys are a little more high maintenance than some of the other houseplants I have, but that makes sense versus I just got a new book I think I showed you guys on social media as well, but it's called Practical Houseplant Book. I also have the Practical Cacti and Succulent book I really love, but since I don't talk about 
cacti and succulents as much as just houseplants, I got this one too. So, Practical Houseplant Book says, apply a balanced liquid fertilizer every two weeks from spring to fall. So, they don't even recommend fertilizing in winter, but from spring to fall, to me, that's about the same time that I fertilize. So, I start to see new growth around the end of February, beginning of March. So, that's usually when I start fertilizing. And through fall, I mean, to me, that's about October. I see a slowdown around then. So, that's why I stop. Moral of the story with fertilizer, completely up to you. There are a ton of products out there that you can try. Rule of thumb is just it's better to under-fertilize houseplants in general than over-fertilize. So I would always recommend using less than the amount of recommended. Even on indoor plant food, if you're using a general all-purpose fertilizer that can also be used outside, I would definitely reduce the amount than reducing as much of the amount for specific houseplant food. That makes sense. I did link my liquid plant food that I used in the blog if you wanted to see it. And I did link the two books as well. So let's move on to propagation. There's nothing really new here that you guys haven't heard from me before. So crotons are propagated through stem cuttings mostly. And all you do is you cut just below a leaf node and you make sure they're about four to six inches. The Honestly, the bigger the better of the stem. But if you don't have a huge plant, then, you know, there's the reason. You want at least four to six inches of the stem for propagating. That way you have a big enough area to do it. And you want to leave at least one or two of the leaves on the top of the stem and pull any of the other leaves below that are going to be underwater off of the plant or off of the stem. It will take about a month, um, maybe a little less, to start seeing roots forming. I would just recommend knowing that this is a more difficult plant, maybe trying to replace your water every week. For example, for snake plants, I've always had trouble getting them to root and I finally was able to do it. And it was because I was consistently replacing my water and just kind of washing off the leaves. I am not sure if that is necessary with these, but as a precaution, I would make sure you do it. As a rule of thumb, you should be doing that with propagating. I don't usually because it's super simple for the rest of them. Usually the water levels go down, I fill it back up and that's what it is. But with the snake plants, I actually replace the water. So I would maybe try that just to really make sure it helps. The stem cutting propagation is super, super similar to rubber plant propagation with the stem cuttings. Basically the same thing. Okay, that is fertilizer propagation. Really not a lot new there, but good information. Those two things are not what makes this plant difficult. It's really the sun, water, and humidity that makes it more difficult. So let's get into some of the other random facts and then I'll get into the Instagram Q&A that I have as well. All right, let's rattle off some extra facts. This is part of the Euphorbiaceae family, also called the Spurge family. Other plants like poinsettias, crown of thorns, and copper leaf plant is also in this family. They are originally native to habitats in tropical Asia or the western Pacific region, meaning Australia, that kind of area. And they are hardiness zoned 11 to 12. So they can grow outside in parts of California in the United States. I'm sure they're in Hawaii as well and Florida since there are zones that are upwards of 11, 12. And they're typically seen as a bush. So 
in their native habitats, they can get up to 10 feet, but usually as a houseplant, they're only gonna get upwards of about five feet, and they're typically taller than they are wider. So for example, as a houseplant, they might be five feet tall, but they might not get any wider than two or three feet wide. So they really make a good hedge plant as a native plant or outside. One little fun fact about these that makes them probably a little bit more difficult as well is you have to keep them away from drafty windows and doors or colder temperatures in general. So these hate the cold. So you want to make sure they are always above 60 degrees Fahrenheit at all times. If they're not, I would expect to see some leaf leaves dropping. The only other plant that I knew for a fact that didn't like the cold that I had experience was, was Diffenbachia as well. They get significant damage from the cold. So just keep that in mind if you do live in colder climates like I'm in Wisconsin. So I have to keep that in mind. So yeah. All right. So the next one is just flower. They do have a flower, but it rarely happens at a houseplant. They're really insignificant. They get really tiny yellow flowers. That's not really the point of a croton. The point of a croton is a really fun, vibrant color foliage, but they do get flowers if it's in the most perfect climate. And last little fact is they are toxic to pets and humans. The whole plant is. So just watch out for that and be careful with that. Again, I did record an episode. It was episode 31 about toxic plants and pets and plants in general. So if you want to see more of that, that's where that is. So that's all the little other facts couple things I didn't mention that I'm not realizing and maybe should have. Soil in general, I know that they like to be a little bit more moist, but I do use still the same soil I use with the majority of my houseplants. I use a mixture of the Happy Frog Potting Mix. You can really use any potting mix. I would just make sure it doesn't have a fertilizer already in it or something. And then I also mix it with perlite. Espoma perlite is what I usually buy. And I probably mix it about three-fourths potting mix one-fourth perlite because the happy frog does have some perlite in it already. So that's what I use, but there's lots of options for a potting mix as well. I know a lot of people use tons of different types. I think I covered it in my last podcast of the common houseplants, just talking about all the different sources people use. So really up to you, but that's what I use. If you want to avoid them drying out as fast, I would avoid planting them in terracotta pots or if you really want a terracotta pot, I would leave it in a nursery pot, a plastic nursery pot, and just use the terracotta as a cover pot. Terracotta absorbs water, so it's going to take moisture from the soil and from your plant. So if you're really worried about getting enough soil or enough moisture in the soil, I would avoid using the terracotta pots. I currently have mine, I believe, in a terracotta just because it's in the little mini greenhouse and I'm monitoring my houseplants pretty often so I'm not really worried about it so you can definitely still do it but if you're worried about it that's another alternative and what you can even help even farther. Okay now to the Instagram Q&A I have a few questions that people had asked um, a couple of them very similar but the first one was I see some people categorize these as difficult to take care of would you agree? Overall people categorize them as challenging or difficult because they're higher maintenance plants. Doesn't mean that it's impossible to care for these. I think because people expect houseplants to be a little bit lower maintenance with watering and care in general, this getting thrown at them is not necessarily what some people were expecting and it might be a little more maintenance than what someone would need. So if you're able to give them that bright light or the extra humidity they need or you can monitor them enough for watering or whatnot, 
you should have a successful relationship with your Croton. If you're not expecting to put that much effort into a houseplant, I would avoid this one in general. It's just going to end up in a likely failure if you're not going to put the attention towards it. So overall, all of the books that I have categorize it as challenging, and that is because it is higher maintenance, and that is why. Mine is actually doing really well. It's producing new leaves, but I am giving it everything it needs. So as long as you can give it what it needs, it should be fine. So the next one is very similar to this one. How challenging are they? How much light? I love them so much, and it's the plant I'm dying to have, and I know this question is my sister. <laughs> they Again, they are considered challenging simply because of how much more high maintenance they can be. In lighting, you definitely have to put them in a bright indirect or direct sunlight, so that means putting them either in a west or south-facing window, or if you don't have that, buying a grow light for them. Again, if you're able to provide that humidity, that light, and making sure they're watered properly, you should be fine. And you have this episode or this blog to reference in the future if you ever get stuck. And you always have me to reach out to. So I would say if you're looking to get one and you want to try one, maybe start with a smaller one. That way you're not investing as much. Which literally leads me to my third question, (laughs) which is um, a question maybe you don't address a lot is cost comparison. But what should you pay for a Croton? And really before I answer this, I am just going to tell you And based on how much you guys listen, you already know this about me. I am a very cheap plant parent. I do not like to pay over a certain amount for things, and I know what I can get for plants. The reason I don't have many rare plants is because I refuse to pay a ton of money for something that I don't think is worth it. So I will give you a recommendation of, based on me shopping around, what you shouldn't really pay over for these because croton are really common in summer to find. They may be a little less easy to find in winter. So if you want one, you can probably wait to the summer months, spring, summer, fall. Usually they're more likely to be found in garden centers or plant shops in that time. So I would not pay over $15 for a four inch pot. I don't even pay that much for something in a four inch unless it's a little bit more rare, but even that, I think the more expensive ones that I've purchased are probably some Hoyas, but even that I've gotten for cheaper because I'm willing to wait for them to grow, so I'll get them significantly smaller. So for a four inch, I wouldn't go over $15 right around there. I would not pay over $25 for a six inch. And that's stretching it for me. I hate paying more than like 15 for a plant. If it's not under $20, I usually just pass it up if I already have it. And then for a 10 inch, I would say $40. I wouldn't really pay any more than about 40 for a croton since they are so common. They shouldn't be any more than that. Maybe you might see a slight uptick in prices if you're shopping local because that's what has to happen. Small shops can't buy as much as big box stores, so their price has to be higher than big box stores. So if you want to shop local, more than likely the costs of those plants might be a little higher than I'm talking about, but I don't think a lot higher. You might find the 10 inch for maybe 50 to $60, depending on how good the plant looks, but really realistically, small shops probably won't be selling the four or six inch any higher than what I'm talking about. Big box stores, you're going to find them for a lot cheaper, like the 10 inch you're probably going to find for like 25 bucks, but you're again getting higher quality when you're shopping smaller because you have the people that actually care about the plants versus the big box stores. No one really cares about the plants or really knows how to deal with any of them. It just depends on your budget, what you're looking for. 
in general. So I bought a four inch plant. I got it from Steins for like, I think $8. And I was happy with that price. I maybe even paid less than that. I might've only paid six, but that was a fine deal for me because I wanted to make sure that I could take care of it and do a good job with it before I invested more money into getting a bigger one. So that is what I really recommend for cost comparison though, just as a reference. If you guys have more questions like that in the future, let me know. I will be posting this Q&A before I record every episode. That way you guys can get your own questions in these episodes as well. So watch out for that. If I don't have the thing up on my story, then usually you can DM me and ask me a question. Say like, hey, I know this episode is coming up. Can you put this question in the podcast? And absolutely, I screenshot everything and then I type them out once I get to it. So that's the Q&A. Thanks for listening to episode 37 of Houseplant Homebody All About Crotons. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast my blog and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, See you next time. Okay, I have a lot to talk about this time, guys. So here is just a few things. One, I would listen till the end because I have some really exciting things happening with actually me and my fiance working on Houseplant Homebody together. So wait to listen till the end because I really want to share it with you. And I have not shared this anywhere else. So make sure you stay till the end. I probably won't be sharing it on social media for another week or so. So stay tuned. But kind of number two, I am going to switch up the episodes a bit. So in my newsletter, I always detail out what episodes I'm going to do for the next two months because it's the bi-monthly newsletter now. And I don't like what I chose. So I originally was going to choose Landscape Plants Part 2 to come out at the end of July. But honestly, I want to switch it back up to a houseplant. I'm getting feedback from everyone on social media right now about what I should record next. And the one person that did respond said they wanted to hear about Shiflera, and I actually had a couple questions from someone in my DMs earlier about them. So I am probably going to do Shiflera for the next episode. So if you have questions about that plant, feel free to reach out to me or look for that question box on my story. I usually put it up a few times before I actually record. The next thing is I was originally doing an exclusive Patreon podcast again, and it was going to be the part one of the Wisconsin and Illinois plant shops, but I actually think I would rather make that public, and I'm going to do that later, maybe into fall, end of summer. Instead, I am actually going to do an exclusive episode on trending houseplants. That way, I can keep Patreon members really up to date on what's trending from time to time, and I can keep that episode as a reoccurring thing. So, what people are talking about trending now, 
what talk, people are talking about trending in the future, talk about the plants a little bit, talk about costs, where you can find them, all that good stuff. So if you're interested in hearing about the trending houseplants specifically, feel free to become a Patreon member. That's where everyone gets their exclusive podcast episodes and they get the episodes like this a day early. So it comes out on Tuesday, but people get them on Mondays, which is a great way to start your work week, let me tell you. Okay, so the announcement that I have for you all. So my fiance, Peter, and I met up with our friend, Linda, and we were talking about Houseplant Homebody merchandise, trying to figure out how or if I could incorporate my fiance's woodworking skills or just in general what we could do. So together we came up with like a really unique product for houseplants that's super fun and handcrafted and something that Peter could help me with as well. So Linda mentioned that her and her kids love to actually name their plants and usually just write their names on a post-it and stick it to the pot. So like for example, your Monstera could be called Monica. That's what they do. And she asked if Peter could use, I should say, Peter has a CNC router, which basically means he can carve things into wood um, with the router. Um, and he has programming, programming and everything for it. So she asked if he could use a CNC router to customize a plant stake with a name on it. And then we got to talking and we thought maybe that would be a product that like everyone could use whether it was customized or whatnot. So Peter had a really good idea of creating a stake with multiple sides for plant information and names. And together we thought of an even better idea of a four-sided stake with a common plant name on one side. For example, we could do Monstera. We could do my Instagram tag on one side and we could do the sun and water requirements with a cute little like sun symbol and a raindrop symbol. And then we did a chalk painted side so anyone could customize it. So you could put your plant name. So like you could put Monica Monstera. Or if you had, for example, like a Thai constellation Monstera, you could write Thai constellation. Or if you go on vacation, you had to leave a little bit of instruction. You could leave it there or whatnot. So we are actually doing this. Peter and I just made the sample today, actually. And it turned out so good. And I love it so much. They're going to be so cool. So they will be available in the near future. And we're probably only going to do a limited drop just to make sure it's exactly what we want to do and what you guys want. So I have not updated social media on this at all yet. So you guys are the first to hear it if you're listening to this episode in the first week that this comes out. So if you aren't already following me on Facebook or Instagram, make sure you're following me. I post a bit more on Instagram simply because reels and stuff are really fun to make and I usually post them directly there and it's a little harder to post them onto Facebook. So um, make sure you're following me on social media to get updates about these plant stakes and when they'll be available and information and just looking at them because they're so pretty. Just wanted to tell you that. I'm really excited about that. I'm still working on merchandise in general for Houseplant Home Buddy, but I have a feeling the clothing, totes, hats, any of that kind of stuff I wanted to do will probably be a 2022 thing simply because the overhead costs for everything is a lot more than I anticipated and I am seriously looking into doing it myself, which is an investment. So it will probably be a next year thing, but at least I have these plant stakes, which are amazing. And I think I might try to get some stickers and stuff in for everyone as well. And before I go, I just want to say thank you to all of you. I have been getting more and more messages about how you love the podcast or questions you have or literally just sharing plant pictures. I can't tell you enough how much I 
literally love to see you guys just message me, even if it's just to say hi or just send me a picture of your plant and say, hey, I listened to the episode. I heard you like us messaging you, so I wanted to show you my Monstera. I love it. I like anything plant related. I don't care what it is. So if you have a product that you want to show me or whatever, just send it to me. Just do it. I love it. So thank you all for reaching out to me and just talking to me, being my plant friends. I really love it and I really appreciate all of you. So thank you. And yeah, okay. The episode is finally done. So everyone have a great week and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.